This is a summary on the second Sikha of Parshas Kiseitze, Lekutei Sichais, Chelek Yud Dalid. We are looking at the mitzvah at the end of the Parsha to destroy the nation of Amalek, to annihilate Amalek, men, women, and children. One of the 613 commandments of the Torah. And it says that Hashem's throne is not complete. And Hashem's name is not complete until Amalek is absolutely and totally vanquished and destroyed. Indeed, it's explained in Kabbalah and Hasidus that there are 70 nations of the world, and then there are the Jewish nation, and then there's the Amalek. Amalek represents absolute evil. The Jewish people represent Kedusha, absolute good. And all the nations of the world are in between, and they could go in either direction. And when Mashiach comes, they will all be elevated. But then there's the absolute evil of this world, the Arafats of the world, Ahmadinejads of the world, etc., the Hitlers and Stalins, and those who are filled with hate towards the Jewish people, whose very identity is contradictory to, 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 to Jews and to Hashem, really, and they must be totally and utterly destroyed. But then there's an interesting element of the mitzvah where it says you should destroy the memory of Amalek. Timcha is Zecher Amalek. Now, this sicha is actually a Rashi sicha, where the Rebbe expounds Rashi. And this is actually, interestingly enough, from the first year where the Rebbe developed the revolution of studying a Rashi by the Fabrengian at Shabbos. This is 1965, the year his mother passed away. But as we do for the summary, instead of going into the, the Rashi and the Rebbe's questions and the Rebbe's answers, we're just going to look at the Pasuk, see the question, and Rashi will already uh, will come out of the discussion um, will, it will be very clear the need for Rashi and what's happening. So the Pasuk says you should destroy the memory of Amalek. And the question throws itself in your face, which is, what do you mean destroy the memory of Amalek? That doesn't seem to make any sense. If you tell me, don't think about Amalek, try forgetting about Amalek, remove the thoughts from your heart and so on, that would make sense. But you're telling me destroy the memory of Amalek. So first of all, how do I destroy a memory? Go try destroying a memory that you have. Is that possible to do? Could you know something and unknow it? How, what, what, is, what kind of mitzvah is this to destroy the memory of Amalek? The Gemara says that even sinful things, that there are the thoughts that come into your head, everyone, it happens to everyone. The question is, do you accept the thought or do you reject the thought? But the thought coming to your head is not something that can be helped. And furthermore, the mitzvah itself, by fulfilling the mitzvah, you remember Amalek. When you remember this commandment, whenever you study the commandment, you, you, you think about Amalek. So what kind of mitzvah is this? What do we mean when we say that there's a mitzvah to destroy the memory of Amalek? Now, even though we already had, this is not the first time we're talking about Amalek. You go back to the book of Shmois. The end of Parshas B'Shalach, we had for the first time the mitzvah to destroy Amalek. Over there, there's one significant change. Over there, Hashem says, it's Hashem speaking, and He says, I will destroy the memory of Amalek. That already makes sense. It's Hashem's making a promise that we do our best. And Hashem says He is going to destroy the memory of Amalek. He could destroy the memory of Amalek. He could make sure that it's destroyed as a nation, as a people, as individuals. As, a, as consciousness from the world, and it disappears, and its memory will eventually be lost, versus the Jewish people will live forever. 
However, we hear it's a mitzvah coming upon us. You should destroy the memory of Amalek. Therefore, Rashi says the Pasuk means something else. What does the Pasuk mean? The Pasuk means destroy anything which would remind you about Amalek. In other words, we have the mitzvah to actually destroy the nation of Amalek. But then the mitzvah is destroy anything which would remind you about Amalek. Yes, you may remember Amalek. You may come to mind. But destroy the memory of Amalek, meaning destroy anything which would recall the memory of Amalek. And therefore, by, by doing that, therefore you will, you will cause that, the event, that eventually he will be forgotten from the world because you've, ne- you've, left, you've left nothing behind which would remind people about Amalek. Those who have been involved in learning Sikhs of the Rebbe for a while would know that would remember perhaps the Sikh of the Rebbe and Parshas Emmer in uh, in Ayikra, in the book of Ayikra, and over the year we spoke how there's a pasuk saying Zichrein Trua, which is coming up Rosh Hashanah, Zichrein Trua, a remembrance to the blast of the shofar. And Rashi learned over the year that the Torah is telling us that we should read psukim about the shofar, because the pasuk can't be going on in the midst of the blow shofar for whatever reason, because it doesn't say that and it says it elsewhere and so on. So what does it mean? You should you should it should be a day of remembering the Trua. We ask the question, what do you need to remember for? If I'm blowing the shofar, then I remember it because I'm blowing the shofar. By, by blowing the shofar, I remember it. What, what's the mitzvah? So we said the mitzvah is to do things which would remind people. Let's say you weren't blowing the shofar that day. Things which in their core remind you of the blast of the shofar. What are those psukim talking about shofar? Over here we're taking a very extremely similar approach if you study it. We're saying that when the Torah says destroy the memory of Amalek, we're saying destroy anything which would recall the memory of Amalek. And this indeed is actually how we ensure that eventually his name will be destroyed. Okay, so now here's the question though. Rashi says that it only goes on animals. It does not go all the animals from big to small, all kinds of animals. However, all human beings and all animals, living creatures. However, it's not going on property, not possessions, property. Why not? Now, how Rashi knows this is clear. Because the Taita says to destroy Amalek, but it doesn't use the word chedem. By other cities that have to be, and places which have to be completely destroyed, and we had that a few times in the Taita, that they turned places into a chedem, uh, we're told about a, a, a way, a city that goes off, that turns into a pagan city, a Jewish city which becomes pagan. You have to destroy the city and make it chedem. Chedem is a much more serious thing. Chedem is you destroy everything, including the property, including everything. Everything is turned into rubble, no possessions, nothing. Over here, it didn't use that word. It didn't use that word. So therefore, it's clear to Rashi that it's not about the possessions. It's not about the possessions, but the question is why not? Based on the logic that we just said. In other words, this should go against the interpretation we just said. Based on the interpretation that we just gave. That when it said the memory of Amalek, it's anything that could remind you about Amalek. So that should that should include the property. Answer is, interestingly enough, the Rebbe says a tremendous chiddush. Tremendous novelty. That actually, many things could be renovated and be redone to the point that you don't think about its original owner anymore. I could take a house and so fundamentally transform the home that no one even talks about the old owner. 
No one says, oh, a person owned this once 30 years ago. It's not the same house. Even if I didn't destroy the original house, it's the environment of the house is different. You redo everything. You, you make it look different. Everyone knows it as your home. It's not an item. It's able to be changed. And of course, with movable items, that's for sure. It can be melted down. All kinds of things can be done, which would fundamentally make it's different that it wouldn't recall the original owner versus an animal. You're not allowed to hurt an animal. You're not allowed to really change an animal. So therefore, as long as you're living, and every Jew, it's a covenant upon every Jew to destroy the memory of Amalek. So if you let these animals live, the animals will never really change. And therefore, people will say, this animal belongs to, or belong, these were the animals they were raised by. We don't live necessarily in an, in an environment of animals, but people who do, you say, oh, these are the animals of so-and-so. So people will say, these are the animals of Amalek, and that's the problem. The Rebbe takes it further. The Rebbe says that being that these things can be changed, that's why the Rebbe says that even if they're not changed, even without being changed, you do not violate. You don't have to destroy it. Why? Because people will not associated after a while with the original owner. Things that can't be changed will always be associated with the original owner. Things that can be changed, even if you don't change it, people don't associate it after a while with the original owner. Right away, yes, but soon they forget about the original owner, and now you are the representative, you are the owner of this object, and no one remembers any longer the, uh, the original owner. Azay, Azay. That's what the Rebbe says. It's a big chiddush. It's a big idea. Um, now, even though, of course, people make museums of houses of people who lived and so on, that's if you turn the house into a museum. <laughs> that's if you make that the focus. But what if someone reuses that house and turns it into their house? The Rebbe is saying that now it becomes their home and it no longer represents. And the reason for this, the logic behind this is that it could be renovated. So even before it gets renovated, it's not something that people uh, see as being exclusively belonging to the original owner versus an item that cannot be changed. Okay, that's a tremendous um, chiddush of the Rebbe. Based on this, we could understand the part of the story of the Megillus Esther. If you go to the story of the Megillus Esther, it says that Haman's house was given to Esther. The question is, Haman was, Haman Ha'agogi, Haman was an Amalekite. He was an Amaleki. How could they do this? The house would would seemingly remind the house of Haman. It reminds you of Haman. And the answer is, like we're saying till now, that anything which is not an animal or a human does not have this halachic criteria. And even though when it was given, it was with great fanfare that the house of Amalek is being given to, given to her. But that's at the moment of giving. But as time passes, then it goes away. And of course... The whole context of the Pasuk is that with over time it will be forgotten. Because like we asked in the outset, just remembering the mitzvah reminds you of it. But what are we saying? That by taking these steps, by thinking about it and taking these steps, eventually you will make Amalek be forgotten. It's about accomplishing the goal that eventually he will be forgotten. However, important point to note, and the Rebbe notes this, that even according to Rashi, we have to do everything in our power to destroy the memory of Amalek. That means practically you destroy all these items, whatever it may be, all the animals, all the humans, and so on. However, it doesn't change the fact that the mitzvah remains eternally. So in other words, that even, let's say there's nothing left for you to destroy, you still remember Amalek for the sake of trying to forget Amalek, which is a very interesting 
interesting commandment. You take something, that's where the custom comes from. You write out the name of Amalek and then you erase it. You stamp it on the floor. And, and it's not a prohibition because you're, you're, because you're only remembering him for the sake of destroying him. So there's some very interesting paradox which could have very interesting halacha, halachic principles elsewhere. Right? We know, for example, you're not allowed to express interest in reading books of idolatry. One is not allowed to read the Christian Bible, for example. But what if someone's an anti-missionary? It could be that they're allowed to. They're reading it in order to destroy it. So that's not considered reading it. It could be. Ask your rabbi, if, and, and only if you're an anti-missionary person. But such ideas, there, there's, there, there, there's a lot of halachic principles, and the Rebbe points out a few of them, um, how a person could do something in order, could you get a hold of an idol in order to do, to do the mitzvah of destroying an idol, and so on. Um, in conclusion, what Amalek represents in spiritual warfare of the Jewish people is he represents coldness. He's the intellectual. He's the uh, the professor who pour coals, who pours who wants to pour cold water on the passion of Judaism and the connection to God. And that is what Amalek represents, and that is what the Jewish people are coming to fight. But that war only takes place on the emotional level. Amalek could only contaminate. Emotions. He says, cool off, be cool. That's why we have to destroy Amalek. One level, the way, how do you fight Amalek? With Kabbalah, so with accepting the yoke of heaven. There's, in other words, you have to be irrational to Amalek. When you're dealing with Amalek, Amalek is being too rational. That's his problem almost. So it's true that we have to come with rationale also, but only after the, having the foundation of being irrational, the foundation of accepting the yoke of heaven, Kabbalah's ill which is represented by the inanimate objects, because inanimate is represents something which is unchangeable, unmovable, and is, um, it's like, it's inanimate, it doesn't have life to it, it's just accepting the yoke of heaven. And so, on the level of inanimate, we don't have to destroy it, because it can't be contaminated by a mullig, that's where this idea comes from, it can't be contaminated by a mullig, we accept the yoke of heaven, and then, but we destroy everything else that belongs to Amalek, and Hashem's name is once again complete.